Bishop Drew Smith of Pastor Beer at College Hill Presbyterian, and we are in the middle of a series walking through the book of Acts, and it tells the story of the church right after Jesus' resurrection and then his, his ascension. And so, during the, the book of Acts, it's the coming of the Holy Spirit, so perfect um, day for Pentecost, and hence the red um, on the, the table, uh, because... Throughout Acts, it is always the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the church. And today, what the Holy Spirit addresses particularly is one of the most common complaints about the church by both people outside the church and inside the church. And that is hypocrisy. Whenever you talk to anybody you know, about the faith, they'll, they'll say, yeah, but you know, there's really not a big difference between the church and everybody else. And out of point. That's the point of the service. Or of the, this particular passage speaks to us how when push comes to shove, God is the hero. And we, humans inside or outside the church, we're broken. We're, we've fallen short. And so, specifically today, give us through a rather pointed example of that. Give us some guidance as to people, how do we, what do we need to be doing? So that we're, we're living more and more according to the ways of Jesus and less and less ways of the world. Now, until, until we are with our Heavenly Father in the fullness of eternity, we'll never arrive. But that's the journey that we're on. We will be the Father's So, our passage is on, it is in Acts chapter 4. Then in the verse 36 and in the beginning of verse of chapter 5, um, you can follow along on the screen or you can pick up your, the, the Bible in front of you, whatever form you have the Bible in. Um, it's on page 912. My God, we thank you for your word as it speaks to us of your truth. How you help us to hear your word, how it applies to us, how do we follow after the place of Jesus in the power of your Holy Spirit so that there is a difference between us and between others. And uh, we will honor and glorify you to be that to the world. I remind you that this is right after, that this passage will start right after you know, the Holy Spirit has come upon the people and They've been speaking the language of all the other people around them, and hundreds and hundreds are now joining them to, to the church. And we're, we're told, we looked at this last Sunday, that right before this passage, we're told that, that it's like heaven on earth. That the God's people are, are living like heaven on earth. That they're, they're, people are selling their property, they're bringing it to the apostles, and they're giving it to folks that are in need, so that none among them are in need. And then hundreds and hundreds are joining the church. So it, it is like a picture of heaven on earth. And that's where we'll pick this up. With uh, one person who is an example of one of those who's selling their stuff and bringing it to provide for all of their Thus, Joseph, who was also called by the apostles, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, Native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man 
they made lights with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds, and brought only a part of it, and laid that at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, and myself, part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, it did not remain your own. And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to man, but to God. When I began and I heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. Great fear came upon all who heard of him. Young men rose and wrapped him up, and carried him out, and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter said to her, Tell me, whether you sold the land for so much? She said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. And it's customary for me to say at this point, this is the word of the Lord, and then we all say thanks be to God. So I want to be sure to give you a moment. Think about that. Be sure that's your answer um, after reading that particular passage. But I think by the end of the day, you will be fully saying thanks to God. But this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, again, as I, as I mentioned, the, the, the church was flourishing, and uh, Ananias and Sapphira, in the midst of this this time, they they get caught up in what's going on. But they contrive a scheme to sell their property and, and keep some of the proceeds and give the rest to the church, but then they lie by saying, yes, this is everything that we sold. And their deception is quickly uncovered and the results in their Shocking, shocking story. What, what exactly is, is going on here? You know, it's often times that people will say, you know, we, the church needs to get back to the church of the days of Acts, when the Holy Spirit was upon us. And they're like, are you sure about that? Now, I'm all for Acts chapter 2 and 3 and 4, but can we skip 5? I think from this story, though, as I've thought about it and considered other stories in Scripture, a couple of other stories come alongside this, this parable. One is Adam and Eve. You remember the story of Adam and Eve, the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, 2, 3. If you haven't heard that, you can go and read that in the details of that after this the very first part of the Bible. When God bless. By creating everything that was there. Brought a blessing and then created Adam and Eve. And then all
similar to what's happening in the first part of the book of Acts. And then, Adam and Eve have an encounter with the serpents, the devil, who then tempts them, they succumb to that temptation, and they decide to go their own way instead of God's way, and that leads to significant ramifications where they are banished from the Lord. Another story similar is like Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot was one of the twelve disciples, the closest comrades of Jesus. Walking with them, part of the beginning group that's going to be leading the coming of the Messiah, the salvation of the world. He's in the inner circle. Take for him the evil forces of this world. The devil comes and tempts him. He succumbs to that temptation. He also has significant ramifications. Or for him, as he Regret and shame eventually. Now, the uh, Hanrise and Spire are in the same kind of situation. They're in the midst of heaven on earth. The, the blessings of God and the Holy Spirit. I mean, there are humans, hundreds and hundreds of humans. No more among them. Total generosity is around them. And yet, Satan And their ramifications, serious ramifications, even there, death is This passage, looking back to those other passages, reminds us that we are never free from the temptation to go our own way instead of God. We're never free from that temptation. That there are evil forces at work in our world. Now, some people have a hard time believing in the reality of the personification of evil like the devil or in Satan. And that's that's fine. I, I'm not I'm trying to convince people that the devil is real. I just think go read the newspaper, look around, and you'll see evil is real. No one would deny that. Now Jesus did talk about the devil. Obviously the Bible does. I do believe there is an organized force of evil that is at work seeking to do whatever and act to prevent. God's glory being demonstrated in the world. Anyone that makes things wrong, the devil will do that. Because ultimately, Jesus came to make things right. The devil's at work and is real. And plus, we, we are weak. We, human beings, can be tempted to sin. It's one of the great responses that hampers the work. God and the church. After the temptation, sin, the judgment on that sin, what's the response of the crowd in other situations? Those four letter words. Fear. Respond in fear. I told what they're scared of. Not first read the passage. Now read this. They're scared. They're scared. I'm what am I scared of? I'm scared of God. What am I scared of? Because, I mean, I see what Ananias and Sapphira did. I mean, it's not all that bad. And I'm like, I've done worse than them, and I'm still here. Yeah, so, I imagine many of you have the same response. 
fear of God, saying, hey, this could be, this could be me. But it doesn't make any sense to fear God. Well, it's still because God's the one who's doing the blessing. God, and I believe God's the one that created everything from nothing. You know why? In God the Son, God's the one who came down among us to send His Son to die for us. So that we might have life with Him for it. Why? Fear God that I sent the Holy Spirit empowering people to, to bring, to bring healing, to provide, to, for radical generosity so that all come together. Full provision, flourishing. It makes no sin. God's not the one and we're told in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 and 19, don't fear God. Don't be scared of God. Here we have that passage. By this is love perfected in us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as He is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but the perfect love casts out. For fear has to do with punishment. Whatever fears has not been perfected in love. Fear is not a response to, to God. As a matter of fact, now, granted, there's other passages that talk about the, the fear of God at the beginning of wisdom and the presuming fire. God resides in its unapproachable light. So there is a holiness, there is a purity to God. There, there is not even the tiny fraction subatomic particle element of impurity or evil in their character in essence in the presence of God. So yes, there is this reverence. Word tells us because of Jesus who has given us that same purity. Because we're united with Jesus, we have the same purity that God has in the presence of God. So therefore, with God, we have no fear. Because of His perfect love. The favorite author of mine, David Benner, used the term, now there is this reverential intimacy. There's a reverential intimacy that we have. Jesus himself says, you're no longer my, my servants or slaves, you're my friends. So there is no fear for God. So they're not fearing God. Who, who's done evil here? Not God. The devil and the human. They're the ones to fear. The ones that, that I should be fearing are that there's evil around me lurking James says, ready to pounce upon me to, to cause me to go the, the, any way but God's way. So those four sources, that, that's something to be, that's something to be aware of. That's something to be on your guard for. And the other is myself. Fulton Nixon says, the line between good people goes through every human heart. We have that capacity within us to go our own way instead of God's. Now, what exactly, as we look at Ananias and Sapphira, what were the temptations that they succumbed to? To be aware, to be on guard. We can do the same thing in, in the midst of the blessings of God. That's another point to, to see in this passage. That was often in the very blessings of God they were most susceptible to the temptations of Dennis, the temptations of Jesus. 
Thank you to uh, a colleague in Charlotte, uh, Bishop Clark Alexander, who uh, pointed me to say, hey, look, let's unpack some of the impacts. What did they show us about the, the human nature, the evil that can punish the One, we can focus on the outer appearance rather than inner Focus on the outer appearance rather than the inner appearance. Think about Ananias' fire. They were, they were the most poster children for hypocrisy. They were saying one thing and doing another. They were saying, yeah, this is everything that we've sold the prophets for. In actuality, it's taking some They were really focused on. Looking good. They wanted to, to look generous instead of be generous. They wanted to look loving instead of be loving. It looks like they were trusting God instead of trusting God. And Peter's clear to them there. I mean, this is your stuff. You could have done with it what you want. There's no obligation to sell it. There's no obligation to sell it again to, to give it all. It was all your stuff to do with what you wanted, but you. That's common. That's temptation. Focus on the outer appearance instead of the inner appearance. It's a good reminder to us to ask. You know, we spend as much time on our spiritual health, our inner character, as we are on our physical health and our physical appearance. Are we spending the time in hanging with Jesus, uh, listening to the Spirit? Doing the work of discipleship. Look at this last week. What, what happened? When the Spirit came upon them, the people of God were joining together. What did they devote themselves to? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and prayers. They, so they gathered together to look at the Word. They gathered together in, in, in settings where they could share with each other what are their temptations, what are their confessions. They wrestled together with the decisions that were before them so that they, together, would help each other pursue the, the character of Christ in loving and generous, and living in joy, and pursuing what is just and good. And that's, again, what we seek to be, what every church is about, is being that kind of community, that kind of community with a purpose. It helps one another see God together. Before his word together, sharing with each other the ideas, the applications, the understanding, developing them with each other, that, that honesty of questions and wonders and life choices, helping, helping each other serve God together. And that's what growth groups, Bible studies, and other small groups, and relationships within the church is to be there focus. Places where we can pray with one another about They develop a safe place to be honest with And we will help one another do what God and Paul do not. But the other temptations of the world are close to the people within us. Just this week, in a conversation with Kathy uh, uh, and I and some of the kids, we were talking about some recent decisions we were before was one of the kids. 
John did. And you know, I think that is, is wrong. And we need to do this instead. And he said, oh, okay, okay. Hung up. And then a few hours passed and all that together. People in the group said, no, thanks for the share. Uh, you're right. But your plan to do would not have been right. But you said it was the right thing to do. Part of community. Being able to share that relationship with one another. We can focus too much on appearances. Reluctant 
bring it up from God or bring it up to others. That's a good time. Hmm. I wonder why. By developing that, that, that kind of habit, that kind of, those kind of relationships, both with God and with others, but honestly sharing with one another. Because we are aware that that temptation is equal to all. And also, what Ananias described is forget that God is present in every moment of your faith. The big word we use is om- omnipresent. God is omnipresent. So he God's presence everywhere. Anytime, if wherever we are, God is there. So, again, it's the most foolish thing we can ever do is to hide something from God. We can get away with stuff. We can hide stuff from spouse, kids, parents, teachers, whomever. It's possible we can hide from us. But it's impossible to hide from God. So, it's the foolish thing we can do. So, that's why. To love cast out fear so we can be bold. It might be that you think about God's presence in every moment, in every time, in every decision. That again, that brings us to that brings sort of a check in. Stop God. 
Gracious God, this, this day, this memorial day, this remembrance Sunday for us, where we remember those who honor those who put themselves in harm's way, they have been through evil forever. Who have put themselves in death's way in order to pursue what's good in life. To honor and those who continue to do evil today.
Thank you, Lord, because you not give us labor good enough and strong enough and strong enough to become something you love. We love you. In great ways and imperfect ways, all of them. Because of you, we can rest in you. Pray, Lord, that that peace is beyond our understanding. Gracious God, we offer ourselves to you today. We would pray temptations to be that are still real in our lives, even in the height of your blessing. In, in relation to you, healing others who are pursued. Help and support one another in this continued journey of growing in their character and more and more like you. Living with our attention on your plan through good and perfect ways. We might honor you and might others who might indeed join with us. But through it all, even despite us, Lord, you continue to carry out. Use the all of these 